Hello and welcome to a new episode of the podcast from artist to artpreneur. In today's episode, you get to listen to an incredible artpreneur. He's embodying this, con let's say, concept of artist and entrepreneur in one perfectly, and this for a long time already. He's also a former mentor of mine. We worked on my show, what is not yet on stage, but we worked on my show. And I highly recommend to check him out, his website, his offerings, his free stuff, his coachings, like social media. And he shares it and you find it in the show notes. Take pen and paper, sit back, listen carefully. We could have talked at least double the time. He has to share so much. And I was super happy to have him on the show. So enjoy today's episode. In case you like it or you take something out of it, share it on social media, leave a review on iTunes because all of this helps the algorithm to share it even more so that even more artists can thrive, have more success, more money, more impact, more independence. And this is what I want for every artist. So enjoy today's episode and feel free to share whatever you could take away for yourself. Very welcome to an awesome guest. I'm so thrilled having him on the podcast. I mean, he's the best role model for from artist to entrepreneur and actually also a former mentor from me in exactly this path to an entrepreneur, like combining art and business. Welcome, Adam Broa. Thank you very much, Tina. It's such a pleasure. It's so exciting for me to see you have this expression out in the world too. <laughs> Yeah, and we know that we have a limited amount of time and we could talk at least double the amount of time we have. So let's jump directly into your own path from artist to entrepreneur. Maybe we start on the point like when, where, how have you discovered your different kind of artistry? Because I have to mention you are doing several pieces and things and areas of art. But when did your artist path or discovery start and what was it? Well, uh, I think that my artistic path is an interesting journey because I didn't actually see myself as an artist for most of it. I didn't consider myself an artist. Um, I can say that like every kid, I was a very creative kid. I think, I think every child is just full of imagination and play. And so I think at a certain point, uh, kids are told that that's play and make believe and 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 it's what we do as kids and as adults we need to um, be serious and figure out our careers and all of those sorts of things and and um the play and imagination kind of gets sucked out of, of a lot of kids um but i believe we're all born with it i think that's a really important thing that i'm sure we'll come back to because our creative energy to me is the purest expression of our soul and so For me, I expressed that at a young age through plays and acting specifically. Mm -hmm. And then when I got to high school, I was so slow to puberty. I just didn't grow when <laughs> everyone else grew. And I just went, well, I can't ever be an actor. You know, actors are tall and, and good looking and all this stuff. And I'm just like this little half Asian kid um, that, that would not, my, my dad's five, five and my mom's five foot. And so I thought, I literally was going to be this tiny little Asian kid. Mm. And so not that there's anything wrong with that, but it just <laughs> in my head, I went, I can't be an actor. And that's something that I'm still actually passionate about today is, is the fact that in movies, you don't see um, 
it, everything is that stereotypical sort of tall, um, Ken doll leading man. And so that dramatically impacted what I thought was possible for me. And then in high school, I got uh, into the idea that I'm really smart and I'm going to validate things by, by becoming very successful. That was, that was it. I said, I'll be very rich. And then when you're rich <laughs> and powerful, I can make an impact. I can do all kinds of things. And then, um, I had always loved movies specifically movies for me were the safe space. I could feel emotion. I being the son of a immigrant Asian father, I didn't feel my emotions were safe. They were not role modeled for me. And so I shut them down at a mm. young age and movies were the place where it was okay to cry movies. If I, if I saw a movie that made me sad, I felt something and I would watch movies alone in my bedroom. I would just watch movies and, and I loved movies and eventually to shorten the story, but eventually I found acting because I was having my first come to Jesus sort of moment where at 18 years old, I won high school, one high school. Uh, I don't know in Germany if they have this, but in, in high schools in America, we have homecoming king and queen. It's a popularity contest. Uh -huh. You see, yeah, you see these in um, these romantic comedy movies of these teen movies where they're the prom king and the prom queen uh -huh. and that kind of stuff. And so anyway, it's just a popularity contest that everyone votes on someone. And anyway, I won. And so I had won that. I had won, uh, I had gotten a scholarship to college. I was varsity in sports. I was all of these things. And I, I woke up the next morning after winning this, this popularity contest and when I, I feel, I don't feel different at all. I don't feel different at all. Something's wrong. And mm -hmm. by nature or nurture, some blessing, I realized that everything else they're telling me might be wrong. Like to, to go and get the career and make a lot of money and um, all of, uh, you know, get a wife and 2.5 kids and a white picket fence and a labradoodle. That, that dream, what if that's wrong? The problem is with that dream is then you wait until you're 45, 50 years old to get to the point that at 18, I was at where I was like, I checked all the boxes. There's only... Every year there's one homecoming king and there's and and that was me so I got this experience of hitting a mountaintop at a young age that that was so important to me and didn't move the needle at all and in that I started questioning why I was doing anything and what I actually loved and that led me back to that led me back to acting and acting was something that I had loved as a kid. It was a safe space for me to uh, explore and feel my emotions. And the rest is kind of history. I, I, for, I went from that. I would say that was the start of my artistic journey mm -hmm. was when I actually said, I'm going to pursue acting. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing even in the longer story and with a bit yeah. of background. Yeah. I love it. Um, so me knowing from you that you write poems, you did your own show, you did your own, let's, let's say movie documentary stuff on YouTube and your own, yeah, documentaries. Um, 
music i think you did music your own music so your whole artistic path was doing different stuff but when kicked the business owner or being self-employed mindset being in when was this mm, i well here's the thing right as an actor i i moved out to los angeles to pursue an acting career mm -hmm. and so as an actor you're you're you are an entrepreneur in a lot of ways mm -hmm. you're responsible for your own career you're responsible for making the decisions of okay what acting school am i going to go to or, or learn from what what am i where am i going to put my time and my energy what what jobs like i did professional theater what 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 jobs am i going to say yes to and, and that um it's a little different because you're constantly needing someone to give you the job mm. so it's a, an interesting sort of entrepreneurship where you're responsible for your own career but you're always hoping to get a job from someone. Um, mm. But uh, so there is some aspect of that. I would say that um, my real entrepreneurial effort began when I started, I was a personal trainer on the side. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. While I was an actor. And then at a certain point I um, achieved something called master trainer. Um, and, and so it was a certain amount of hours I had worked in certification and whatever. And what happens when you achieve master trainer at the gym I was at is they raise your prices. So they raise your prices by, I think it was like $10 a session, mm -hmm. right? But I would see $2 of that $10. And I just mm -hmm. went, wait a second. <laughs> I just got more certification. I achieved a certain amount of mastery. That's why you're calling me a master trainer, which you then get to put on the board and say, here's a master trainer. But you're raising my prices $10 without me getting to choose my pricing. And you keep eight of the 10 after I did all the work. That didn't make sense. And so I sort of became an entrepreneur and started my own training business with my, I took my clients, I did my own thing. And it was out of, you know what? I'm not going to let anyone else dictate my pricing. And I think that's really important because what that equates to is I, I don't, I'm not okay with other people dictating my value. Mm. That, that was really important to me. And we get into a place where others dictate our value when, um, I think for me at the time that the fear was going out on my own, I might, not be able to sustain myself. If I'm not a part of this big gym that sometimes gives me clients, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And um, so that was the the fear. And I think that oftentimes we trade as entrepreneurs before going out on the entrepreneurial journey, or if we don't want to be on the entrepreneurial journey, we trade some of the ability for us to dictate our value in exchange for security because mm -hmm. someone else is dictating our value and therefore there's a security in that when we say yes to the value that they've dictated but for me i have as a coach as an entrepreneur as all these things um never wanted someone to tell me i've just had a rebel spirit around that amazing amazing so you have this two careers at the same time like acting and being a personal trainer and when and why have you decided to quit acting and to go more into this coaching mentor or maybe then your first show or documentary kind like probably something in between <laughs> <laughs> well what's interesting so it actually went the other way i i quit so as a trainer i realized at a certain point that i 
I had the personality and the mindset to build out a training company if I wanted to. You know, mm -hmm. I could do the the training DVDs and the, the the courses and the different things, and I could become a fitness influencer. Okay. In in this was before. By the way, this was in two thousand thirteen. 2012, 2013 was when I eventually left personal training. And so I was in the mindset in 2012. Uh, and this was before you didn't have really like the fitness influencer the way you do now. You didn't have everyone on um, Instagram and these different things doing this. So this, I didn't have really any role models for that. And I also, because I loved acting and that was my primary focus, mm -hmm. I did not I didn't want to transition my focus into personal training. I, I did not want to transition my focus into that. In January of 2013, I also had my spiritual awakening. And um, mm -hmm. that was when I sat with ayahuasca for the first two times mm -hmm. uh, of my life and just everything shifted. And I suddenly felt more strongly than ever that I could not put my energy into anything that perpetuated fear. Mm -hmm. I only was willing to put energy into things that, that made a ripple of love out mm -hmm. into the world. Mm -hmm. And that effectively put an end to my acting career in LA in the traditional sense, because I told my manager and my agents, I'm unwilling to do fast food commercials. I'm I'm not willing to audition for horror movies. I'm not willing to do these crime shows where people are killed. Like I'm just not willing to do that stuff anymore. And I didn't have a big enough career to be able to dictate that. And so when I said that, that ended 90% of the types of auditions that that I was I had available to me and I wasn't willing to do them and I kept saying no and they were like yo we can't represent you anymore mm -hmm. if you're not willing to do these things and I went okay and I just started making I had a partner at the time a romantic partner and we were both in the acting world and we started writing and directing and producing our own content mm -hmm. and making content that we felt was aligned with the messages we wanted to put out into the world. Mm -hmm. And, um, that was, that was all happening. And I, I give that as kind of context for the next thing, which was, I began to share my journey, uh, of what I was learning spiritually online. Oh, cool. And this was before Facebook live or Instagram lives or anything like that. I had to actually record them on videos and upload them. And I actually find this to be a scarier time for me than now by far, because even though I might have way more people viewing my stuff mm -hmm. at the time, the only people I had that followed me on Facebook were friends from high school or family and so, and it was brand new. And so mm -hmm. the idea of putting out videos about what I was learning about manifestation and the law of attraction or any of that back in 2013, when it was only my friends from high school that would see my content, <laughs> that was a really, really scary thing. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, and I know I've been kind of monologuing here, but ultimately I, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, once again, hit a point where I no longer wanted to have to be physically present to earn my money. Oh, mm -hmm. and, and so similarly to the, the point of not being told what my value is, there was something I didn't like that I decided I'm changing this. Mm 
And I, I had realized that my personal training clients, you know, that fear that I had about how do I get new clients? Well, my personal training clients, I had the same clients for six and seven years. Cool. I had the same clients that trained with me twice a week for years and years and years. By the time I left the industry, I didn't have a client who'd been with me for less than a year. Hmm. And that was very abnormal in that industry where there's a lot of turnover. But what I had realized was they were coming to me for the mindset. Working out was what we did while we talked about their relationships and their jobs. And I saw them get married and have kids and I saw them go through breakups. I mean, I was the most consistent. I was their coach, not just their trainer. And I was talking to them about life. And then when I had my spiritual awakening, suddenly there was a whole new energy behind it. And it made me, um, yeah, I shifted, I shifted dramatically. And, and the, the combination of the passion for what the type of message I wanted to put out and the resistance to having to physically be somewhere any longer for, for my time, for money. Um, I decided to start a coaching practice and my first clients were, I had two clients that came with me or one client, can't remember now, one or two clients that came from my training days mm-hmm. that became my coaching clients. Mm-hmm. And then um, then it was just word of mouth and also the videos that I had started putting out online. Um, and, and the rest is kind of history. It, it built, I built an entrepreneurial coaching practice from that. And um then also built my personal brand in this this other way of putting out content and and you can see I was already doing both of those things. Mm-hmm. I was already a personal trainer with my own entrepreneurial company mm-hmm. with understanding how to serve clients and I was an artist and an actor who was writing producing directing my own content uh and putting it out so I was already doing those but they weren't together. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the entrepreneurial journey has always been about, and even to this day, is about how do I turn the things that I want to express, the things that I would do as passion for free, how do I incorporate that into the thing that sustains me financially and the thing that makes the impact that I that I want to make on this planet? And, and finding more and more ways to bring that into one is a... a in art, it's a it's a complex journey. You and I have talked about that at length, and mm. and um, something that I still learn and and try new things all the time. Yeah, 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 amazing. What I love about your share is, and it's no problem that it's a monologue because you have so much to share. We have limited amount of time. All perfect. What is cool to hear, and I think it's the first in all the episodes before, or the most outstanding right now, is it all organically led one to the other so there was no or not in your share like not this big vision or i want to combine this or i want to be this so you have this idea of i want to do this i want to do this oh i'm doing this and then at some point it like it led one to the other because you made one decision and you're you're awakening then you said like i don't want to do this anymore but this doesn't feel in line anymore and so it brought you like super beautifully and organically to the point where you're at this is like for me very outstanding even as an inspiration for everyone listening to feel like okay i don't have to have this big plan what anyway won't work out (laughs) (laughs) but 
simply follow the breadcrumbs and your your intuition and your passion and what feels aligned and what feels right and have no fear to change the path yeah i think i think lo- life is a scavenger hunt you know mm. we're we're going along this path and we're collecting everything we're collecting memories we're collecting ideas we're we're losing stuff along the way we're <laughs> we're meeting other people when our paths intersect we walk for a while and then they go their own way at a fork and we go our other way and i mean it, we're on this scavenger hunt and to combine metaphors in a way that's probably really sloppy it's like along along this scavenger hunt we're finding all these different ingredients and we're we're making something yeah. and uh we're making this beautiful meal out of all of these ingredients and then the thing is if you're not following your curiosity and and you're not walking the path you can't find new ingredients and then in addition to that there are people who don't they're so set on what they're making mm. that they're not actually excited when they find a new ingredient and i think that that's such a shame because if we could take on if you were making this beautiful meal and someone showed up with a new ingredient that that you went i what am i going to do with this <laughs> you could see that as ah oh, i don't want anything to do with this or you could see that as what a cool challenge what a cool gift to have something new that i could incorporate in an entirely new way and we know that of great chefs great chefs would see that and see that as ooh how could i Uh, we see all these cooking shows where they don't even know what the ingredients are going to be until their last second. And I, that's life to me. And, and there are times what I believe is that there are no coincidences. There's no, nothing random. It's all a beautiful dance of synchronicity. And so if you love your curiosity is how, how God leads you to the next thing that you need to make the thing you don't even know you're making yet. And so we follow our curiosity and and as we follow our curiosity we learn we grow we add things and you may not realize that it's 10 years down the line that you're going to need that thing but the fact that you learned how to play guitar when you were 18 because you loved it and then you stopped playing it for 10 years wow it's it comes back in your 30s for for something or um for me poetry and and weaving that in or or music i or acting here's a great one acting i have set it as a goal i'm 38 now and i've set it as a goal that i will return to acting in my early 40s i'm going to get back into acting in my early 40s i don't know in what way shape or form okay right i have toured for example i've toured a, a one man show called permission to think freely internationally which is a, a spoken word poetry show mixed with personal development uh, teaching mm-hmm. and and that show is retired but i am going to with the release of my my book uh, hopefully the release of the book at the beginning of next year um tour that with a new show a new one man show and that show currently the in in the ways that i'm thinking about it is going to have some acting in it not just not mm. just poetry but acting so that might be how i return to acting or it might be something completely different i don't know but i know that i didn't fall in love with acting and spend a decade of my life perfect like mastering that craft as an actor mm. um 
to not have it be a very important part of what I do. And it is, by the way, because when I perform poetry or when I speak publicly, all of those skills come into play. Mm-hmm. But in a very direct way, I see that coming back. And I think that more people following their curiosity and seeing it as this fun scavenger hunt without needing to know what they're building is, is a great approach to how to, to bring more fun and play and artistry to your life. Oh, hell, fuck yes, because it's like, when you let go of this concept, you have to have a plan and you have to stick to it and you are attached to it and you have to have the control. When you then start having these experiences of, anyway, we don't have any choice or plan or control. <laughs> you could think that you have, but you don't. And then it starts to get, yeah, I mean, fun, quote unquote fun, right? It's not everyday fun, but when you trust this and can surrender to it, it's like 100%, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the trust is is a big part of it. That is something that I have um, a lot of. I have a lot of trust in spirit and the universe and God or whatever words we want to use. I trust, um, but I think it's important when we talk about trust. It's not. I don't trust someone else. What what I trust is. That if I follow my intuition, if mm-hmm. I follow my truth and and my abs- my heart, my soul's calling, which by the way is not super easy, you you have to even <laughs> refine that. For a lot of people, they're so disconnected that they wouldn't be able to tell their intuition from the you know bacterial needs of the, their microbiome, like the, <laughs> the like the the needs uh, of your soul. Yeah. That's something that that's a relationship you develop. And through the development of that, I believe that that's how God speaks to me. Mm. That's how the universe and my higher self can, can guide me. And as long as I follow that, I trust that it is the path of my highest and greatest good. And I trust that because that's the intention I've set for my life. So I'm in, relationship where I say, listen, I want to be living the path of my most joyful life, the the life that creates the greatest amount of prosperity and abundance for myself and for my loved ones and makes the, the greatest amount of impact on this planet. Those are really what I want. I want to feel like I am flourishing in life and loving it. And I trust because I've set that intention, all of the guidance that I receive, if I follow it, will be on that path. Perfectly put. <laughs> Perfectly put. Um, have you had, or no, I think when you share after the personal training, it was also passion and more in alignment. But my question was, because you shared like still finding a path, how to merge art and entrepreneurship or business. And, and how to have a sustainable income with the art. But you did a show, you did, um, yeah, you do write poetry, like how was coming this, like your love and passion for writing poetry, but also having already some things merged, but maybe, yeah, f- first a question, how did it come to poetry for you? Well, poetry, it's funny, I had... I have pages and pages and books of of poetry when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm talking first grade, second grade, third grade wow. poems 
that you, <laughs> I have a whole book from my kindergarten where I go, I love lamp. Lamp gives light. Light. I love lamp. And then the next page is I love dog. Dog has for I love dog. And then it's I love cat. Cat goes meow. I love cat. And they're these po- like poems, but and they're very very. <laughs> silly and i started writing poetry and i probably kept it going until third or fourth or fifth grade i i won some awards for poetry like as a kid just like in the school and stuff poetry competitions and then i just completely forgot about it and that that coincided with what i shared you know going into high school i just didn't think of myself as artistic mainly because i didn't see what artistry could be i didn't see a path for it for me. Um, and my brother and sister were very musically gifted. And so I, I just went, well, I guess they're the artistic ones. I'm the, the logical business minded one. I'll, I'll start a business and, um, poetry, even though I didn't do it, I went to an event in Santa Monica, California, and it was this event called Fred Talks <laughs> that this guy had was puts on his house and he would bring in 15 different people to do five minute talks. And this would be like once a month. And at, at one of these gatherings, the last person to go was a spoken word poet, a slam poet, a performance poet. Mm-hmm. And the moment that he started, I went, oh my God, I can do that. Oh, so cool. I can do that. And I, I went home and I, I wrote a poem. I wrote a spoken piece in, in the, in within 24 hours, I I went and did that. And then the next day I shared that poem with some friends. And one of them said, your next poem should be called, you are who you've been looking for. And then he walked out of the room. And for those of you who don't know, aren't familiar with my work, you are who you've been looking for is a poem that I then went home and wrote within 48 hours. The second performance piece I ever wrote. And it has gone on to become the most viral performance poem in history. It's been viewed more than 250 million times. Wow. Um, and like <laughs> that didn't happen until years and years and years later. And, and that's its own crazy story. But in terms of poem poetry coming back to my life, I just saw someone do it, felt like I could do it and started doing it. And then that that has become the thing that built my social media phone. That poem going viral years later was how my my social media took off and how attention got to be brought to a lot of the other things that I also do, coaching and all these things. And so by the time that that poem went viral, I wasn't even, I was not earning any money still as, as a poet. I, I was I had toured internationally my poetry show, but I didn't make money. I broke even mm-hmm. or maybe even lost money on those shows. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do them for yeah. my own artistry. I wanted to do them. I, I didn't need for it to make me a living. And I think yeah. that you're going to hear people give you one of two takes, which is one, as an artist, it's important to have that hunger where like it needs to work. And so people say being that broke, starving artist is an important thing to keep you driving and motivated. Um, I'm not in that camp. I'm in the camp of being a, a starving artist compromises your art. I think that when you need to have your art be the thing that 
provides your living and and figure out a way to earn your living through your art entirely from like when i say art i mean okay music i have to earn my living through music or acting i have to earn my living through acting you are now um able to be to to compromise your values your all these different things because you're in a fight or flight state of scare of needing to provide actual just base level survival for yourself and and i think that my encouragement to all artists is to figure out how to pay the bills and let your passion be something that you can give the time to unfold without the pressure of needing to monetize it prematurely. Now, perfect. Perfect that you share this. Has your coaching and your entrepreneurial business always been more or less a reason to keep this going, to make your art, to be able to do your art? Was it more like a necessity or was it both always like a passion or, or something you liked or loved? I love coaching. Mm -hmm. I, I love coaching. I love teaching. So to me, the, it's just a different expression of the same thing. Mm. So that's where there's there's it comes together for me is this experience that we're having on this podcast right now uh, is it lights me up in the same way that going on stage lights me up. I mean, mm. there's there's differences, obviously, but mm. I love to be able to express. Yeah. I love to be able to take what I've learned because I the amount that I dive into my own personal journey and my own personal work and exploration of myself and my consciousness and my artistry and all of that, I do that at a level that I know is not normal. Mm -hmm. I, I know that that is not normal the same way that the greats of any like sport, like Kobe Bryant, I'm a big fan of Kobe Bryant and his mentality is not normal. Mm. And so I believe I have a not normal mentality when it comes to the exploration of, of my consciousness and the, the ways in which I've done that. Now, what lights me up and makes that so fulfilling is I've create. I would be doing that anyway. Mm -hmm. I've just found that it's way better when I can make an ecosystem around me that can financially provide for me Mm -hmm. to keep doing that. Yeah. And so what that looks like for me is, okay, I go and explore myself at the deepest levels. I go and do plant medicine journeys or uh, I, I, I'm planning on doing a darkness retreat soon or, 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 you know, vision quests in the desert or, or Joe Dispenza. I did a week of Joe Dispenza in January, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And by the way, those are all like catalytic, but I'm also talking about after Joe Dispenza, I did 30 days of Joe Dispenza meditations as a, like, I want to continue this. So every morning I would do a anywhere from 25 to 45 or 60 minute meditation, like those sorts of things. I wrote a poem every single day in the month of April. I said, I will write a poem every day and I will share it on social media every day in the month of April. It doesn't have to look like an ayahuasca retreat. Just finding ways to constantly grow and expand myself is why I'm here. I'm mm. doing that no matter what. Yeah. Now, how do I make the my world around me provide me the ability to do that more? Mm. 
And so that's where I express it creatively. That's where my coaching comes in. That's where my online community and my podcasts and all these different things come in um, is just how do they allow me to do more of what I want to do? And that's not from a selfish, that's from a selfish, but in order to do that, you have to look at the other side of the coin, which is where does that provide value for others? Mm. So selfishly, it's like, okay, this is what I want to design. But in order to achieve that, the other side of the coin is where is the value for others that others are going to pay pay me for in some way, shape, or form. And coaching has and continues to be. If you were to look at even my online community as being a part of coaching, mm-hmm. um, coaching has been the has made me ninety five percent of my income and revenue since two thousand thirteen. Yeah. And if you include personal training in that as, as coaching, mm-hmm. it's, it's since 2000, like nine, 2008, it has been the primary source of my revenue coaching, um, and probably will be, uh, for the foreseeable future. Like I'm, st- I'm excited for my artistry. I hope my artistry eclipses my, yeah. my coaching, yeah. but I don't need it to. Yeah. Because it's a beautiful dance. You embody this so strongly that it, 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 you do it and you, I think you, you're not doing it just for five minutes a day. You do it. It, it. It's a part of your life and still saying like, okay, but the revenue is from this, but I also love this because of your explanation. I love it. So uh, seeing the time, two more questions. Um, one question you started saying like podcasts and community, maybe you share with all the listeners what amazing offers you have because everyone has to check out Adam and has to check out all these incredible social media and stuff. So share, please, what you have to offer and where, how, who has to check out what. And then my last question would be for every artist listening, wanting to have more success, more money, more impact, what would be maybe your three biggest takeaways in the difference from artists, starving artist concept <laughs> to successful entrepreneur. Got it. Okay. Well, those are, those are, that's a good one. Th- three tips, like tips, right? The biggest tips. Or learnings or key takeaways or saying Got like, it. okay, these three things. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, yeah. First to, to the first question, which is all of the online real estate that I have that you can find. <laughs> I had so many. If you're a podcast fan, I have uh, two podcasts. I have the deep dive with Adam Rowe and I have you're too much, which I co-host with my friend, Taylor Simpson. Highly um, recommended both. <laughs> yeah. The, the you're too much are 22 minute episodes. The the deep dive is exactly as it sounds. It's a much deeper dive. So those are an hour. Um, and then I have a lot of social media, all of them, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, like all, all of the places you can search my name and you'll find them. And we will um, have it in the show notes, of course. Yeah. And, and then I have an online community Uh, that is relaunching uh, and starting with the Creative Cocoon program. So Mm -hmm. the Creative Cocoon program, I'm going to take 24 people on a journey for three months where we utilize creativity as actually a modality for personal development. Mm -hmm. So not just something that we do, but learning. I I want these 24 people to learn how the thing that you're already doing Mm-hmm. The, the, you're already cre- doing some sort of creative, you're already dancing or singing or, or you're already doing this because you love it. How can you turn that into one of your greatest assets mm-hmm. for your own growth? Mm-hmm. And then from there, once it's your biggest asset for your own growth, 
figuring out how to make that valuable for others where they might be able to pay you for it, for example, if, if that's what you want, that's the next step. But but first making sure that it is entirely supportive of your own growth. And, and so I've learned a lot about how creativity is actually a modality for that. Um, and that's what this journey, the creative cocoon is about. Um, even at the time of us recording this, I, I have uh, like 50 something people on the wait list and there's only 24 spots. So I'm yeah. not even sure that there's going to be the spots available, but if you're interested, then I highly encourage you the, there will be a link in my Instagram bio for that. And then uh, I have a free masterclass on May 16th. Mm-hmm. This free masterclass is called unlock your inner artist. And I'm going to teach you the four step creative process that I use consistently to create all of my, my stuff. And, uh, I want to teach it to all of you and hopefully give you value because I do believe creativity is the secret to, to unlocking so much in, on this planet. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that's, that's me in a nutshell, adamroa.com. And then as far as your next question, yes. The three biggest takeaways going from artist to entrepreneur. I think I spoke to it before, but I I believe that following your curiosity is definitely a big takeaway that I have. Your curiosity is not just, it's, it's, it's actually so much more than you realize. Your curiosity is the way that God can whisper to you and, and the way that your higher self and, and all your angels and everything can, can help you see which steps to take. Your curiosity is divine guidance. It is not random. There's a reason why you're curious about that thing. There's a reason why you've always wanted to take singing lessons. There's a reason why you have always wanted to start painting or drawing or dancing or whatever. There's a reason why you might be a, a middle-aged suburban housewife, but you love rap and you want to, you know, I, like I don't, I don't know what it is and you don't need to know what it is, but if you can trust that it is there for a greater purpose, I think that's my number one. I could give you that. Number two, uh, I would say is, is find the right guidance, find the right mentors, um, find the right community. And when I say right, I mean the one that supports you in your current chapter of growth. Um, you, you hire a coach for a particular time, you join a community for a particular time. It's not a lifelong commitment. It's not something, um, you know, we were coaching for a while and then we stopped coaching and now here we are. And we're at, we were, before we started recording this, it was, we had laughter and just like catching <laughs> up and sharing about painting the walls and all of the things. Yeah. Like, I think that, um, everything in life is so temporary and it's a disservice to yourself to not find the support that you need for the chapter yeah. you're in, whatever that is, that might look like. I mean, I have a a course on breakups. Why? Because that was a huge part of my life. And I wanted to teach people how to get through a breakup so that Mm -hmm. they didn't have to get stuck the way that I got stuck. Mm -hmm. And like, if that's the chapter you're in, you're in a breakup, amazing. Go get the course or go go hire a coach to help you through that or go to therapy or um, whatever. And then if you're in a chapter of wanting to to figure out how to make your art something that you can monetize to support your life, 
Amazing. Who is the who are the mentors that you can hire? Where's the community that you could join of other people on that that same journey? Like find the support and the mentorship and and the people that uh, there's a, a one third, one third, one third. When we talk about support, it's not just people who support you. Mm-hmm. Having the right support, one third of the people that are a part of your support system are people that you support. One third of your support system are people that are peers that you can mm-hmm. look to and, and learn from and their growth. And one third are the, the actual mentors that pull you forward and can see a couple steps ahead wh- what you can't see yet. Um, and so that's really a support system. So getting a support system, I think is, is another key. And then the third and final key I would say is never stop creating. Mm. If, if you really want to be an art, art entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur, how do you say it? Art-preneur? I say artpreneur. Be just artpreneur. Yeah. Artpreneur. Artpreneur. Um, <laughs> and so if you want to be an artpreneur, then you can't stop making art. It's a part of who you are. Just like as an entrepreneur, it's a part of who I am. It's not something that I do. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship is a label that's given. Do you realize the vast amount of entrepreneurship? Like that's so silly to think that we can... (laughs) Encapsulate it all like entrepreneurs. They're they're like eighty year old grandmas that sell their quilts on Etsy that are entrepreneurs. (laughs) There's there's and then there's every there's everything in between. So to me, the entrepreneurship is who I am. You've heard my story. It was the moment I was like, nope, I'm not letting anyone dictate my value, and I'm going to do this my own way. Amazing. The same is true about our artistic expression. And, and if you want to be an artpreneur, then you cannot stop making art. Art is about who you are. It is, it is a part of what makes life worth living. And it's important for you to develop the relationship to your artistic expression that can allow you to have it serve you because for a lot of artists, I know for myself, artistry became a way for me to like, I, I went into suffering so much in my artistry. I, it, it's tortured artist archetype. And and mm. my I was only able to make art when I was suffering. Mm. Yeah, I, I was, <laughs> it was such an unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. It was an unhealthy relationship to it. It served me because it gave me an outlet. But then I didn't know when that, just like everything else, that can now become the poison, you know, it can become toxic with a little too much. And so keep creating art and learn how to let that art serve you, I think is um, my last piece of advice. Adam, on point. Thank you so much for all your wisdom, all your share. Maybe we do one more further along the way and along the road. Everyone has to check out Adam. You'll find all the links in the show notes and all the best for your whole path. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Tina. I love that you're doing this. And um, I hope that you and everyone listening will eventually join the Create community. Uh, That'll relaunch in September. And that thing's going to be really accessible to everyone. I want to keep it to to a really inexpensive, like, 
you know, cup of coffee a day kind of thing. Um, less than a cup of coffee coffee is expensive now. <laughs> like, you know, like a dollar a day, let's say like a dollar a day kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. I want to keep it in that price range. And ultimately it's just a place for creatives to come and create together and learn and grow together. So um, hopefully I see a lot of you there. And if any of this resonated, you can always send me a message um, online and just, just say thank you. Cause it's, it's nice to put faces to the, the work that's going out. 100%. Thank you so, so much, Adam. Thank You're you. so welcome, Tina.